Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to your Atlanta Catholic Radio Station, AM 1160, The Quest. We are excited to bring you a two-part series on St. Joseph, featuring Father Donald Calloway's incredible new book called The Consecration to St. Joseph. This new book is getting a lot of attention and changing lives. You'll love and admire St. Joseph in a new way and understand why the Church calls him the Terror of Demons. Hello, everyone. I'm Danny Ryan, and welcome back to this series with Father Donald Calloway, who's joining us on AM 1160, The Quest. And we're talking about his new book, The Consecration to St. Joseph. Welcome, Father Calloway. Hey, thank you so much, my friend. Good to be with you. I really enjoyed that first hour with you. It's it just wonderful to get to, for you to elaborate some on some different parts of the book and just to to hear hear from your your mouth sort of what you've learned and what you're sharing with and what you're hearing from people about the response to the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the response is really off the charts. I not even I expected this. I I knew it would be a popular book, but wow! I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's only been out four months. We've sold over a hundred thousand copies. Wow, that's amazing! That's just I know. Yeah, that's I know. I, I think my my mom bought ninety eight thousand. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, that's yeah, great. It's being what translated a... into five languages already, too. Oh, amazing. really? Wow. Yeah. That's that's that mm-hmm. is wonderful to hear. Yeah, I told you earlier. My experience was the first time I went to go buy it; it was sold all sold out on Amazon. So that's that is always mm-hmm. a good sign. That's a really good sign. So, <laughs> so uh, we at AM eleven sixty, the Quest. We know that all good things begin with prayer. So, Father, would you mind leading us in a prayer to get started? Yes, indeed. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless our time together, our words, our conversation. For all the listeners, that their hearts would be touched with a message that would bring them closer to Jesus Christ, especially through the intercession of the great Saint Joseph. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. So we'll start off with one that... You know, I'm, I remember growing up in my church seeing the images of St. Joseph, and he was always an older man. You know, in your book, mm. you, you'd mentioned and, and quoted a couple of folks like uh, Mother Angelica and Archbishop Fulton Sheen, that they have a different view on St. Joseph's age. Why would a younger St. Joseph be especially meaningful for fathers and younger men today? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because— um, I think if you ask most people, they would, you know, how old was St. Joseph? They would just say, oh, pretty old, because that's how he's been presented, you know, in art and statues and such. And, and the intention was good, you know, for why that was done. But the Church doesn't have any teaching whatsoever on, on how old he was, you know, when, when he married Our Lady, for example. He was only depicted as old um, to kind of defend the, uh, the integrity of that marriage in the sense of there was no marital intercourse. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about it being a pure marriage in that sense, and, and rightly so. And so the intention was good, um, because it is true, Mary and Joseph never did, you know, engage in marital intercourse, though, you know, they were husband and wife, They're, they sacrificed that natural good of marriage for a greater good, which was the raising of their son for the salvation of the world, you know, and uh, so, um, mm-hmm. so the intention was good for the people who depicted St. Joseph like that. But, you know, in all likelihood, you know, to do the things that he needed to do, all the walking, for example, and mm-hmm. I love to tell people this, you know, Jewish men were required to go to Jerusalem three times a year to fulfill certain Jewish rituals. Well, if you if you add up the years that St. Joseph would have 
needed to walk to Jerusalem from Nazareth. And I've been to the Holy Land many times. It's not a, it's a three days walk. If you add that up three times a year, let's just say by, let's just say 25 years. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do the math, that means St. Joseph walked almost around the planet. So we're talking, an old man's not going to be able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then just all the other things that were needed to be, if he's to be the model as a father and a man for Jesus Christ, you know, he needs to be one who is relatively young. You know, he probably wasn't the same age as Our Lady. He probably was older than Our Lady, but he certainly wasn't like 80 years old, you know, when, when he married Our Lady. Now, why is this important for men today? You know, a lot of times today, um, you know, we talked about this in a pre- the previous program, men feel emasculated today. They feel they can't maybe be what classically we would talk about as, as, as being manly things. And so if you look at an image of St. Joseph where he's old and, and, and he's about to die, that's not something you can really imitate. You can't look at that and say, I want to be like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have him holding an axe, for example, because he was a carpenter, he worked with wood, if you have him young, if you have uh, the child Jesus on his shoulders and, and St. Joseph is carrying the Savior, for example, those kind of things, a man can look at that and go, you know, do I do that with my son? Yeah. Do I do that? Yeah. You know, do, when's the last time that I went out into the woods with my son? You know, when's the last time I played with my son? Um, it's important to remember that Joseph was the father of Jesus, not the grandfather of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's something really important about that because Jesus himself says in the New Testament, he's talking about his heavenly father, but it also applies to St. Joseph. Jesus himself says, not Father Calloway, not this person, not that person, Jesus. He says that a son can only do and say what he sees his father doing and saying. So if that's true, and it is, yeah. then we need to have a presentation of St. Joseph that is more youthful, manly, masculine, hardworking, a laborer, not a guy in the shadows who's about to croak, you know? Um, (laughs) We need that, because that's what we want to, we look at that and we go, I want to be like Dad. I want to be like my spiritual father. And so that's why I think why it's important today. And uh, uh, to paraphrase, like what the Mother Angelica said, like uh, old men don't just get up and go to Egypt. <laughs> you know, just right. it's not something. Right. And I think you, each one of what what I find myself doing is with each one of the different parts of the gospel where Saint Joseph is involved. And this was through the book was sort of like looking at my own life and saying, like, as a father, what does this mean to me? Like the story mm-hmm. of Egypt. Like I had, uh, we used to live further south, and what I would consider as being inside the bubble. And my wife and I decided that we were going to move further out primarily to get more time with our family, to get outside of that, like to protect our family. And it's Mm -hmm. not that there's, it wasn't so much that somebody was coming after our family, but I think it was something that as a, as a father and talking it through with my wife, we felt like that was the right thing for us to do. So Mm -hmm. no, we didn't leave to to Egypt and know there, you know, there, I think we can look at sort of what is he, what does he do as a father and how can we sort of emulate that in our own lives and, and take mm-hmm. something from the message. And maybe it's not as drastic where we wake up one morning and say, we have to, you know, we're going to Canada mm-hmm. today or anything like that, but it might right. be like being open to saying like for our family, it's best that we maybe take ourselves out of this situation, or we may take our kids out of public school and put them into a different situation or may do something that is not that convenient for us to do because it wasn't convenient mm-hmm. for them to leave and go to Egypt. 
right? No, not at all. Yep. It was uh, very inconvenient, and it was, um, you know, you think about the hardships. You know, even though we don't have the details recorded in the New Testament, you know, a lot of times I, I think people think that uh, the life of the Holy Family basically happened in decades. So it's like we get one scene, and then it's like, cut, okay, jump ahead, and they did nothing for the next 10 years until we find out the next event, you know. Mm-hmm. But obviously they were a, a family, and so there was time that went by, there was daily living, and going to Egypt, that could not have been easy. Think mm-hmm. about it. They didn't know the language, they didn't know the culture, they didn't agree with the, the religion there. I mean, these people were pagan people, and a lot of times, you know, sorcery and all kinds of weird stuff. And, um, and you know, at that time, the Jewish people would not have been you know, welcomed with open arms by the Egyptians. Yes. They actually remembered that it was you people and your God mm-hmm. who killed our people in the Red Sea. You know, he's probably not going to be signed up for, you know, employment immediately. They're going to think, yeah, I'm not, you're not working for me, Joseph. They don't <laughs> care about you or your family, right? You come mm-hmm. here. That, that's what the attitude probably would have been. So we're talking very difficult. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, we don't think about that much, but that would have been the case. So for our listeners who might be just tuning in, we are talking to Father Calloway, author of the book, The Consecration to St. Joseph. So Father, our society today doesn't value the virtue of purity. What can you tell Mm. us about Joseph's commitment to purity and how he could serve as a role model within the family? Well, yeah, and this is another reason for, you know, a more youthful um, presentation uh, of St. Joseph, because think about this. This man lived with the most beautiful woman ever to walk this planet, yep. you know? Um, so you talk about a man who had to have his intentions uh, in check, you know, and, and making sure that, uh, you know, his will was in alignment with God's will. Um, you know, he had to be one who was just so docile to the Holy Spirit. And again, as we talked about previously, wanting the good of his wife and of his child. Mm-hmm. And so that's what men need to l- learn today. And even though men, you know, m- the majority of men are called to marriage and they're, they're given the blessing of, you know, the, the, the pleasures of marriage and engaging in marital intercourse, you know, with your wife, praise God, that's, it's a gift from, from heaven. It's, God is pleased with that, right? Mm-hmm. But you still have to act with dignity. You still have to treat your wife with respect. And because I'm, I'm always surprised. When I meet couples, especially men, in particular men, who say, oh, Father, we're married. We can do anything. And I'm like, well, no, wait a minute now. You're not an animal. You're not a filthy beast. You, you've got to be dignified. You've got to treat your wife with respect. Um, and a lot of people, they forget. They think, well, but, but we're married. We can do, you know, no, 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 no. You have to be dignified. And I think that if you look at to St. Joseph, right, who, though never engaging, you know, in the marital act with, with his wife, with Our Lady, nonetheless, the love, the respect, the affection, the tenderness, Mary would have felt so secure and affirmed in the love of her man, because that's what he was for her, her man. And he would have delighted to call her my lady, mm-hmm. right? We, we call Mary Our Lady, and it means something to us special, you know, she's Our Lady, but we've almost forgotten the kind of the chivalry aspect of that title. You know, St. Joseph would have never forgotten that. 
I'm sure that he probably on a daily basis, he would have got down on one knee before his princess and said, my lady, right? Mm-hmm. How can I serve you? What, what, what would you like me to do? You know, I mean, such an example of manhood in the presence of beauty, because every man needs beauty in this life. Every man, mm-hmm. right? Even a priest. We're not married, but that doesn't mean we're robots or angels, right? We're, we're, we're normal. We're guys. Well, we need to have beauty in our lives. And so we need to be willing to die for that beauty. And that beauty for us is the beauty of souls, we have to be willing to sacrifice and, and, and lay down our lives. And, and so all, of, all men are called to have pure hearts, whether in marriage and the vocation of priesthood, uh, because it's that pure heart that's going to make us warriors of the truth. It's going to make us champions for, for what's right. Uh, it's when you don't have that pure heart that uh, you're really not a threat to the devil at all. The devil isn't even worried about you. It's when you are a pure heart and, and a man has a pure heart that he too can become a terror of demons. It seems with talking with with other men that there's this there's this idea that if I just take care of the physical needs and financial needs of my family that I'm doing my part. And I don't know mm-hmm. where where that, that that just seems to be when you get down to it. it's like okay I, I'm providing a house and I'm doing my part and I just right I'm not emotionally checked in I'm not a spirit spiritually I'm not going to lead you I just run into this that this is sort of like an underlying thing. That is is out there, and you know, if we are truly called to lead our families to heaven, that how yeah. you know, it's not you know there there just seems to be this idea that we are more than this. We are more than the paycheck. We are more than mm-hmm. um, providing a dinner that night. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I really that that I fell in love with with Saint Joseph is. He is the worker, like like the the feast that it ended on for me. He he had a job, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. He had mm-hmm. he had the normal stresses of being a father, yet he mm-hmm. also had the mission of 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 leading his family. And one of the mm-hmm. most you know, part of the book you mentioned is like he's this he was the savior of the savior. And right. what you know for us, how do we how do we get out of this idea that I am more than this paycheck? I am more than just yeah. providing for the physical needs of my family. I'm also there to provide for the emotional and spiritual needs of, of my family. Oh, this is so important what you're saying because you know as a priest, and I, I talk to so many people that come to me for various reasons, and I can't tell you the amount of people, especially women, mm-hmm. who will come to me and they will say. You know, Father, my 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 dad was a good man. I, you know, yeah. he he worked and he provided for us and all that, but he was never tender or affectionate with me. He never yeah. held me. Yeah. He never, you know, any of those kind of things. And I can tell you now, for so many women, especially, it leaves that lack of affirmation on an emotional level leaves a serious wound. Mm-hmm. It leaves something where they become so um, uh, I don't really call it anxious or just. Um, yeah very insecure about so many things. I, 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 I'm amazed at how many times I've heard that. And the same thing is, is true uh, for boys. You know, when they grow up and, sure, okay, Dad, he brought home the bacon, so to yeah. speak, and he paid the bills. He got the bills paid and all that kind of stuff. But if he wasn't there, if he was emotionally distant, um, there's, there's something that a boy needs, and his father being there with him, you know, and uh, being present in his life and being a part of his life and, uh, you know, doing those things that seem silly, but they're not silly. You know, when, when dad puts his hands up and says to his little tiger, give me a punch, old boy, you know, let's see what you got. You know, and, and the little boy, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't do anything to the dad. It doesn't hurt him at all. But when the dad says, oh, ouch, oh, my, wow, what a punch, you know, 
that for that boy, I mean, he, he realizes, wow, I'm strong. And, and when he learns how to use that strength in a good way, in a, in a controlled way, by the example of his father, he's going to grow up to be a good man. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have that intimacy of that relationship, then there's going to be problems. I mean, there's going to be problems. And so you're absolutely right. It's more than a paycheck. It's more than just a roof over your head. There has to be, you know, we say it, it's a, it's a silly cliche, but quality time, and there has to be that emotional investment in the life of your children. Yes. It's really important. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, as part of the book, we we go through, you or you, you go through sort of like all of the different names that St. Joseph has, and one of the ones that stands mm-hmm. out. And I think you know the one I'm going to call off is Terror <laughs> of the Demons. So I could, let's yeah. spend a little bit of time on that. And why is, you know, what is it about him that makes him the Terror of the Demons? Yeah, this, no, no, without a doubt, this is like the money title. You know, this is like <laughs> drop the mic title. You know, it's like, whoa, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they don't, they probably don't think that St. Joseph is the Terror of Demons. They just see an old guy holding a lily in the background, you mm-hmm. know, um, but the fact is, he has such a unique relationship with Jesus that only one other person has it, and that's the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because, you know, when they talk to Jesus, they talk to him in a parental way. Um, there's no way around that. Um, so, you know, even if me and my mom and dad, if we're out, you know, um, somewhere at a ball game or whatever, when my mom asks me if I want anything, it, it's coming from my mom. There's no way I can get around that. It's just, you know, well, that's the same thing with St. Joseph and Jesus. So, for example, if you or I said a prayer that went like this, Jesus, my son, no, we, we couldn't even go there. It's not true. You know, we, can't, we cannot call Jesus our son because mm-hmm. he's not. But for Our Lady and St. Joseph, he is. And when Jesus hears anything come from the lips of St. Joseph, he's hearing it as from coming from his father, directed to him as his son, and he's going to do it, just like you would do what your mother or father asked of you. Well, guess who knows that and is terrified of this? Satan, the devil, right? He knows the intercessory power in St. Joseph, and he's terrified of this because he knows all it takes is for St. Joseph to turn his gaze or his attention, his voice, to Jesus Christ, his son, it's all over, folks. Game over, right? <laughs> um, so that's what we're talking about here. That unique relationship of father and son mm-hmm. is so extraordinary, and it continues in, in heaven that uh, the devil wants nothing to do with that, and he doesn't want people to know this secret. He has, so to speak, delighted, if you will, in the fact that so many people have not been going to St. Joseph. But now, if we unleash this secret weapon of Christianity— Boom! Mm-hmm. This is huge, and th- this is why I think you know we need to bring St. Joseph on the scene right now more than ever before, because St. Joseph, with Our Lady, has that extraordinary intercessory ability that terrifies the darkness. One of the things that you'd mentioned that I'd never heard it put this way is that how St. Joseph is an icon of God the Father. That we'll, we, we, you know, mm-hmm. um, Jesus said this, and when you see me, you see the Father. But then also, mm-hmm. how, how is it, how is Joseph an icon of God the Father? What, what, did, what did you mean by that? Yeah, so many saints and popes, uh, mystics, have talked about that. So they'll use different language to describe it. Some will say the icon of the Father. Some will say the shadow of the Father, mm-hmm. the representative of the Father. It basically means that 
you know, God the Heavenly Father entrusted his paternity to St. Joseph mm-hmm. um, in a special and unique way, so that Jesus, even though God submitted himself to the paternal authority and headship and leadership of St. Joseph. And that is really extraordinary, I mean, to think about. So it, it, when Jesus interacts with St. Joseph, Jesus himself is seeing in St. Joseph w- one who is speaking on behalf of the Heavenly Father and acting on behalf of the Heavenly Father. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus, the second person of Blessed Trinity, became flesh and took on human nature and, 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 and has a body and hands and feet and a voice and so all of that. But God the Father doesn't. God the Father did not become incarnate, right? We often depict him as a, as a bearded man, right? Which, okay, it's fine. <laughs> But right. he's actually not a bearded man, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he didn't take on flesh. He didn't assume Wait, stop human the press. Nature. He's not a bearded man? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Holy Spirit's not a bird either. You, know, just, <laughs> you, are, just you heard it here, industry. folks. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's a way of depicting it, right? Yes, so he's, he's yes. not a dove. You know? <laughs> it's how we understand. You know, it's a, right. it's a good way for us. But um, so we, we, you know... But when 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 Saint Joseph acts, it's almost like almost because Saint Joseph is not God; he's not the Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. But it's almost as though the Heavenly Father is acting through him, through his role, through his paternity, and that's extraordinary because really no other saint has that. You know, mm-hmm. it's incredible. You were mentioning earlier how it's that you when you see Saint Joseph, or a lot of people have this image of an older man with a lily I, I, in the in the work. That's one of the the. The, the paintings that you had done was, um, mm. you know, you have the lily, but then at the bottom is a spike <laughs> into the head of the demon. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like a pretty flower with a little spike on the end of it. So, yeah. <laughs> totally. Because, you know, that flower, the lily, it represents purity. That's what it traditionally means. Um, but it's that purity that, that, that pierces the darkness, that pierces the filthy pornographic creature that Satan is. Mm-hmm. And so in that art that I had commissioned for the book, my favorite images, actually, um, are the two that I had commissioned called Terror of Demons, mm-hmm. um, because it shows St. Joseph holding that traditional lily, because, you know, because that's, that's nothing wrong with that, but it shows it like as a dagger, a spear, yep. he is piercing a, a serpent. And I tell you what, of those, I had 10 images commissioned for the book. Those two, the ones St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, those are flying off the shelves. I mean... They're, those things are going so fast, I can barely make them fast enough because we're selling so many of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now in the book. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah they're incredible. Yeah. Yeah, we're coming up on a break here in a little bit. Uh, I've got uh, my my mother-in-law gave me the, your other uh, one of your other books. I know you've got mo- uh-huh. plenty of other ones, The Champion of the Rosary. My goodness, you put some work into that that book. Yeah, I did, Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a it's a volume that I enjoyed reading yep. that just to get a little bit more about you and your background. You've got a fascinating story, and uh, yeah, just it's amazing how much research that you put into that book. I think it's one of the most comprehensive books on the Rosary that I've seen. So good job. That's my biggest book. <laughs> I um I I don't think I'll probably ever write one as as substantial as that. It took me quite a long time, research all around the world, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's uh, you know if if you don't want to read it you could use it as a pillow because it's that big <laughs> <laughs> folded up and it'll work as a pillow yeah absolutely yeah yeah 
is it typical for your uh, your books you like to commission artwork, which is a wonderful idea? Where'd you come up with that? Yeah, it's just something unique, and uh, you know, I know a lot of people around the world, and um, for for and then I have a certain way that I like to express things. You know, I, I mm-hmm. do love that whole chivalry, knights, swords, all that kind of stuff, and so I, I try and tie that stuff in without it getting weird. I don't I don't want to turn Saint Joseph into Conan or anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I, but yeah. I wanted to show him with an axe, for example. You know, because. I mean, the guy worked with wood. Yeah. He would have definitely been splitting logs and, and things like that. And so I wanted to display that. Um, so that's what I did. And the artists were like, wow, this is great. We've never, you know, seen images like this. And so more than happy to do it. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, people are loving them. That's awesome. And I guess when he was, um, St. Joseph was a carpenter, and it would have been something that he would have taught Jesus the craft and Mm-hmm. They would have spent time together, and so he would have taught Jesus the value of working hard. And um, yep. and then even though Jesus didn't go, obviously go into that profession, it had an impact. Right. Probably had an impact on who who he was as a, as a man. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, and this is extraordinary too. Is you know when God took on human nature, He wanted to have certain facial characteristics that were particular to one creature, and that was the Blessed Virgin. So Mm -hmm. when God wanted to share the resemblance of someone, he chose to have facial characteristics similar to the Virgin Mary. And that's that's extraordinary, because what we're basically saying is that God wanted to look like the Virgin Mary in maybe cheekbones or eye sockets or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. But when Mm -hmm. God, in the person of Jesus Christ, wants to imitate someone, he chose to imitate Joseph, because Jesus is a male, and mm-hmm. boys imitate their dad. Mm-hmm. And so the mannerisms, the accent, the way of probably walking, the way maybe even of talking, all of those, maybe his favorite food, all those things would have been similar to his dad, St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. So, and that's extraordinary, because that's that's why you can say things like, you know, in seeing me, you have seen the Father. Remember how Jesus says that about his Heavenly Father? And that's on a different level, right, because we're talking about divinity. But in seeing Jesus, you would have also seen some glimpses of St. Joseph, because St. Joseph formed the the boyhood of Jesus. He taught him how to work. The way that Jesus would have swung an axe or cast a net, you know, would have been similar to because his dad taught him. Mm-hmm. You know, I I do the things that I do because my dad taught me how to do it. The way that I swing a bat, for example, or or the way that I, you know, uh, whatever it is in life. In all likelihood, I who you learn it from is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jesus would have learned these things from St. Joseph. And that's extraordinary because we're not talking about just an ordinary person here. We're talking about a divine person, God imitated joseph that's amazing (laughs) it is it absolutely is and what and again i sort of keep on coming back to like me being a father and going like oh that what a what a what a monumentous task (laughs) and Mm -hmm. what how much trust god must have had in joseph uh you know that that, and and that that uh you know to to place that sort of trust into a man to do that and uh, to create you know, the, the overwhelming uh, thought that you know, yeah. creating Joseph yeah. so that he would it would be someone who would influence him. And, Absolutely, and on every level. I mean, think about it. It's from Joseph that Jesus would have learned such great 
respect and love for, you know, femininity, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, to, how to lay down your life in service, you know. Uh, I mean, he, in seeing that, he saw that. He, he saw a model of a workman. He saw mm-hmm. the model of a husband and a father. And, I mean, in a certain sense, in a certain sense, um, Jesus would have, would have been formed in his sacrificial yeah. manhood, in his ability to suffer mm-hmm. by watching Joseph, Right. And that's the mystery is God can't suffer. He's outside of time. But in, by becoming one of us, he became what they say, you know, is passable in the sense of passable means passion. It means to be able to suffer. Uh, you can only do that if you have a body. Like angels can't, can't suffer in, uh, in their bodiliness because they don't have a body. Um, so God doesn't have a body either. But now he does in the person of Jesus. So Jesus would have learned, you know, how to be patient how to be long-suffering, enduring. And I can guarantee you that even though St. Joseph was not at the cross, he was there in the heart of Jesus Christ. He was there in the heart of Jesus, because St. Joseph helped him to get there. Um, And so this is extraordinary stuff that we often don't think about. But the role of St. Joseph in the formation uh, of Jesus Christ was so important that... um, we need to really start emphasizing it because it's been neglected for far too long. I hate to do this, but we got to take a quick break here. So we'll be <laughs> back with just so we'll just continue to dive into this. This is great stuff. We'll be back with more from Father Callaway. You're listening to AM 1160, The Quest. Stay tuned. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Life is precious as it was given to us as a gift from God. He has a plan for every created life, even those conceived in the violent crime of rape. Legislation that protects every life is required because God's gift is to be respected, cherished, and protected. No value is given to the baby's life when abortion is allowed in cases of rape. Pro-life advocate Rebecca Kiesling was conceived in rape and had this to say, I am my mother's child. I honor her and bring her healing. Today, we are both thankful we were protected from the horror of abortion. Every life, no matter how it was created, is a human being worthy of life and deserves protection. Stand behind legislation with no exceptions. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Who would have thought that an early 20th century technology would be the catalyst for the new evangelization for the Catholic Church in the 21st century? We learn about our faith. We make a deeper connection with our Lord and Savior by learning more about how God touches us in our everyday lived experience. Catholic Radio is a way that we come to understand how deeply God loves us and how much we love Him. To donate, go to thequestatlanta.com. Hey you, yes you, have you heard the good news? The Quest Atlanta app makes it easy for you to take AM 1160 The Quest with you, no matter the time of the day or the location. Listen to your favorite shows on demand, submit prayer requests, record a testimonial, catch up on the latest headlines from Catholic news sources with ease. Just search for The Quest Atlanta in the App Store or on Google Play to download today.
Welcome back. I'm Danny Ryan, and you are listening to AM 1160, The Quest. In this hour, we are talking with Father Calloway, author of the book, Consecration to St. Joseph. Let's pick back up where we stopped off there and something with Jesus learning from Joseph. I think one of the things that I, I, uh, I think about with Jesus preparing for his passion the preparation that he went through for that. I wonder, it just makes me wonder when you were talking just a moment ago, wondering like, what did he learn from Joseph to prepare for a big task? Like the preparation he would have learned as a carpenter that just, I think there would have been so many things that he would have picked up from his father naturally that he would have learned um, and just been, would have been taught growing up that it just, again, Mm -hmm. makes me inspired just knowing that, because this is where you, you're formed. You have formative years and where you learn and, and what, uh, yep. what were the things that, you know, um, that, uh, that Jesus learned in preparing for his own passion that he knew he needed to do to take those 40 days to prepare. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, all these things that he probably, he got hints of it from his father and seeing what he was doing in, in, in his daily work and his daily prayer and his, and, yep. and just who he was as a man. It just sort of, it's, I could, it's amazing. It's amazing. That's sort of how he learned, how, how he learned here on earth from, from uh, just another man and uh, how inspiring that is as a father to hear something like that. Yep. Let's get into this next part. Maybe I'd like to cover some uh, about Joseph's hesitancy. Let's talk about taking Mary into his home. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the response to Mary's pregnancy, like what can we learn from that? What happened there? And, and mm-hmm. uh, just let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's an important topic because, um, you know, there's been several kind of, kind of, I guess you could say, uh, ways of understanding it. And one of them has kind of dominated, um, but, you know, you, we got to take a look at it and see, is it in fact true? So, for example, when St. Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, and they're already married at this point, right? The Jewish marriage at that time, it was a two-phase marriage. So um, they weren't, like, engaged when he found out. They were already married. The The two phases were they, they got married, but then the 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 bride did not move into the home of the bridegroom until the second phase of the marriage but it was already a marriage so when uh they were married you know he finds out that she's pregnant and many of the translations uh translated as finding out he wanted to divorce her mm. now it says a quiet divorce I, I don't know what a quiet divorce is but it says that he wanted to divorce her quietly well, a lot of people have thought, well, because he thought she had committed adultery. He thought she had cheated on him or, or somebody had taken advantage of her while she was away yep. uh, with, her, with her cousin Elizabeth or something. But there is a very strong tradition um, in Christianity that says that he didn't want to divorce her. He was in awe of what was going on because he was so extraordinarily holy. Uh, he didn't understand the Incarnation. He wouldn't have been able to have a theology class on it. Um, but like certain people in the Old Testament, like, like, like Moses, who was so in awe of God's presence that he didn't want to draw near you know, to, to the burning bush, like David, who when he encountered the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament said, I'm not worthy, mm-hmm. and, he, and he asked that the, that the Ark be sent away, 
from from him because he didn't feel worthy. Um, those and several other examples, that's probably more likely what St. Joseph was experiencing is unworthiness. Mm-hmm. He didn't doubt Mary. He didn't think that she had cheated on him. He knew that that woman was holy. He knew this. He was encountering a mystery that he couldn't explain, but he knew God was at work, and he felt that, I can't do this. I'm not worthy to be the one. And that's why God had to send the angel and say, Joseph, son of David, right? There's a reason that he mentioned David. Uh Um, Don't be afraid to take Mary into your home. And so, because he was, he was afraid, like like Moses was afraid, you know, in the presence of God, that that fear of the Lord. And so, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, tons of saints, doctors of the Church, mystics, talk about um, it really wasn't that he wanted to divorce her. It's that he was feeling unworthy of fulfilling that role. But God affirmed him in it, and he moved forward. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. he needed to hear that, that, that this was part of the plan, that this is, that, he, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and that God wanted him to be part of it, because he, he knew he was dealing with holy mysteries here, but he was probably, you know, thinking, um, am I the right guy for this? <laughs> you know, uh, me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so another part of the gospels that, uh, and the, you know, the story about Joseph and Mary that I, I, I relate to, I guess, is the, uh, Jesus in the temple and moving on mm-hmm. and, and saying, where's Jesus? What, uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. if we joke around, in the fostering community, we sort of joke around and say how we were, they were fortunate that defects wasn't around those days or they may have not been able to get Jesus back. It's That's sort true. of like one of those things. And it, we understand it was sort of like they would travel in packs and that it was, it was natural right. for something like that to occur. But there was just, uh, I don't know. I like reading stories like that because it just, there's a humanity about it. And just also just mm-hmm. a, a recognition as well of, of this almost where Jesus is growing up and, and, He's he's probably in awe of like you know wouldn't you know that I would be in my father's house and he's right. he's learning like this sort of like this change of him coming into age mm-hmm. and uh, you know just what is that what is that I know my children are growing up and like what are the things that they're teaching me as they're growing up about God and about mm. Um, mm. it's just that that's that story I like the humanity of that story and then just sort of like a changing of age that's a part of that story as well. Yeah, I love that story, too, um, because it shows the, the normalness of the family. And then it also, you know, that story has to come from us, from the Blessed Virgin Mary, because if you think about it, the writers of the New Testament, they weren't there when that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were probably the eight, around the same age as Jesus himself. They would have been young boys, they, they, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, you know, it would have been the Virgin Mary who would have told them that, and that's how it got into the New Testament. But then also, what I love about that story is it's also Our Lady who tells us something about Joseph. So a lot of people say, well, Joseph isn't too, in, you know, in the New Testament that much. We don't have one word from him. Like, well, that may be true. But at the same time, look who oftentimes is the one who's talking about him, right? Mm-hmm. It was Our Lady who said, yes, uh, uh, you know, when he was lost in the temple uh, and we were anxious searching for him. And then when they found him, what does Mary say? She says, your father and I have mm-hmm. been searching for you, right? Um, so again, Our Lady is affirming that filial relationship that, that Jesus has with St. Joseph. Um, mm-hmm. he's, it's father and son, and it's like, you know, that affection is there, and uh, that relationship. And, and so I think that's really important that Our Lady said that, 
Our Lady said that, you know, mm-hmm. so, because uh, I've met people sometimes, actually, Christians, well-intentioned, but, you know, they've said, can we really call Joseph the father of Jesus? And I'm like, look, mm-hmm. biologically, of course not, but right there in the scriptures, the inspired yeah. word of God, you know, the Holy Spirit speaking to the Virgin Mary, she says, your father and I have been looking for you. So I think it's a beautiful story. Tell me more about, uh, this isn't in the Gospels, but tell me more about the, the death of Joseph and what the te- church mm. teaches us and what do we have to learn from that? Yeah, so yeah, you're <clears throat> right. We we don't know exactly when it happened or mm-hmm. how it happened, but um Obviously, he, he died at some point. The tradition is that he died before our Lord's public ministry, um, and most certainly before, you know, Calvary, because, of course, if he was alive, he would have been there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, he would not have—he's a good, good father. He would not have been off, you know, on a working project in, you know, somewhere uh, in, in a part of the country while his son was saving the world, dying on a cross. He would have been there, mm-hmm. which tells us that St. Joseph was, was already deceased by that point. And— you know, we call him the patron of a happy death, because um, even though we don't know when he died, without a doubt, he would have died in the loving arms of Jesus and Mary. And there really is no better way to die. Mm. And so that's why we look to him as the patron of a happy and holy death, and because we should want to die in a similar way, you know, in the presence of our Lord, with Our Lady there comforting us. And that, I think, is why you oftentimes do see the majority of the images of St. Joseph are of him in, in that scene, right, where he's uh, presented as older and, and, and dying, uh, because it is such a tender scene. And in the book, I have a few examples of what some mystics have said about the words that were exchanged on the deathbed of St. Joseph, what, what our Lord himself was saying to his earthly father and what St. Joseph was saying, his last words to the Blessed Virgin Mary, you know, as, as husband and wife, just tender. I mean, grab a box of tissues, because some of them, yeah. are, they're heart-wrenching. It's yeah. moving stuff. Beautiful. So for our listeners who might be just joining us, we're talking with Father Calloway, author of the book, Consecration to St. Joseph. So Father, in the book, one of the things you talk about is becoming another Joseph for Jesus mm. and Mary. Tell me more about that. Yeah, you know, so part of Marian consecration is to come to be like Our Lady. So we want to imitate her, we want, you know, help, uh, ask her to help us to grow closer to our Lord. So we want to be like another Mary, and, you know, she's really the greatest disciple of Jesus. She's the, the most faithful one, all the way to the cross. She stands strong, and um, she's, you know, just so devoted. Well, the same thing can be said with St. Joseph and consecration to St. Joseph, is that we, no matter what our vocation is, we want to be like St. Joseph. We want to be available to Jesus and Mary. Mm. We want to love them like St. Joseph did. You know, we want to be available. We want to be of service. We want to be, you know, all in like St. Joseph was for the great loves of our life, Jesus and Mary. And I think when we do that, when we have that rightly ordered, when we're Joseph-like, then we're going to have everything else rightly ordered. Like, so, so if you have, if you're called to marriage, for example, if you have this great love that is Joseph-like in your love for Jesus and Mary, you're going to treat your wife, or, or if you're a woman, your, your husband, with so much love. Mm. You're going to be you know, looking at your children in such a loving, tender way. It's going to change everything you do. And it's the same thing for a priest. You know, I mean, it's, it goes without saying that I should be devoted to Jesus and Mary, right? I'm a priest. 
But, you know, you can increase in that. And when it does, you'll find that your love for the souls entrusted to your care also increases. And you want to be sacrificial like Joseph. You want to be patient and loving and, you know, giving everything. Uh, that's what it means to, to be like Joseph in this consecration. When I think of Joseph, I think of protection. And uh, one of the things that my that I've just learned being married and learned from my wife is the importance for her to feel protected. And mm-hmm. you think about this. It, I mean, this goes all. This goes back to the beginning, right? With with uh, Adam and Eve. You know, is the pr- protecting the obligation of us to protect, and mm-hmm. in 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 a way that is not just it's not physical. It's emotional and a spiritual protection. And when mm-hmm. I think of of Joseph and what he's doing, and and um just at him as a father and what we're called to do as fathers to protect our spouses mm-hmm. and our families. Love it. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, is almost an untapped treasure in theology that we need to unpack because, you know, Mary was a woman. She wasn't a robot. She wasn't an angel. Mm-hmm. She had, you know, uh, affections, emotions, a heart, all of that, that she too, in that relationship with Joseph, she needed to feel, you know, that that feminine security in the in the, in the love of her man, um, and that's what he he provided for her on, as you were saying, um, not just on that physical level, but also on that emotional level, on that spiritual level, and that's what he was for her. And so Mary was so secure in the love of her husband, mm-hmm. and you know that's where you know I often tell you know. Uh, ladies who are looking to get married, and they, many of them know this already, but, you know, pray to St. Joseph. Pray that you can get a man <clears throat> who resembles St. Joseph in those characteristics, because your feminine heart wants to rest in the masculine strength of a good man um, who is there for you on all those different levels, the, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, all of that, because, you know, there's that complementarity of the sexes that is from God, and it's a beautiful thing. And when you get that, you know, both pistons firing, so to speak, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Wonderful. So we've been talking about the Gospels. I think maybe let's talk a little bit about um, how St. Joseph was prefigured in the story of Joseph, the son of Israel, whose brothers uh, sold him into slavery in Egypt during a famine. Joseph's brothers went for him for wheat, bread, and Joseph saved their lives. Pharaoh directed everyone to go to Joseph for food. St. Joseph fled Mm. to Egypt to protect Jesus and and thereby saving the bread of life. Several saints Mm -hmm. say, go to Joseph with their needs. How has he helped you? Isn't that amazing? I mean, like the parallels there are pretty extraordinary, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah, just, and and so many people have talked about that, popes, saints, mystics, and it's uh, so extraordinary that, you know, the Joseph of the Old Testament was great, and, you know, at that time, Egypt was kind of known as the breadbasket of the world, and and he was able to feed his own family and then everybody else who came. And as great as that was, you know, our Joseph is much greater, because our Joseph kept our bread, the true bread, come down from heaven, Jesus Christ, uh, in safekeeping from Herod, who wanted to kill him, by taking him to Egypt, that place of bread, you know, biblically, and then bringing him out of Egypt to feed the nations. And so if you think about it, there's actually Mm. a connection (laughs) between Mm -hmm. our ability to receive Jesus in the Eucharist and the protective fatherhood of St. Joseph, who who saved our bread, 
you know, our, our lady needed, so to speak, the bread of everlasting life in her, in her holy womb, you know, and then it was Joseph who, who preserved our bread for us. And so we don't often make that connection that when we go to Mass and we receive the Eucharist, we, we oftentimes think about Our Lady, perhaps, you know, and we, we wouldn't have the gift of the Eucharist without her, for sure. But mm. Joseph also, you know, he, 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 as many saints and popes have said, was the Savior of the Savior. Mm-hmm. Not meaning that he's God or the Messiah, because St. Joseph is not, of course, but he did save our Savior from Herod when he wanted to kill him. That, and that... Yep, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it was just so extraordinary because yeah. it, it continued. He saved our Lord in that physical presence, mm-hmm. but then also, you know, because of that, when our Lord instituted the Eucharist, you can kind of do a chain of causation there, so to speak. We also should be thanking St. Joseph for saving <laughs> our, our, right. our bread, you know, in the Eucharist, because without him, we wouldn't have it. That really stu- uh, that stood out in the book to me, reading through that, is that, that story sunk in to me that— that how it, that it hinged on Joseph being not not only hearing the message but acting on it immediately. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and 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 it just it's it's a challenge to me as a father to say if I got a message would I even would I you know would I be listening would it would mm. I would I not write would I write it off or what would mm. I do what would I do and am I getting messages right now that I'm just writing and the awesome responsibility that he had or the, the, the salvation of, of man was, was, mm. was, was the hinge right there. And he had to, act, he had to act and he did. And uh, yeah. it, it, that really sank into me in, in the book. So we've got just a little bit of more time left here before we wrap up. I would be remiss if I didn't ask about some of the, um, the message of Fatima and, you know, mm-hmm. with the recent uh, Marian apparitions where uh, St. Joseph has appeared as well. What's your thoughts mm-hmm. on why he's appearing now? What's, what, what, it, what's your, what is your take on that? Yeah, I think it's extraordinary because uh, I think that he's, you know, appearing more within the last 150 years in light of the situation in the world. You know, again, with the, the real crisis in marriage and families, breakdown of, uh, of these things, um, his presence in these is pretty notable. You know, Our Lady of Knock in 1879, uh, Our Lady of Fatima. A lot of people forget that St. Joseph was at Fatima. Uh, that the last apparition, October 13, 1917, he was there holding the Christ child, and together, Father and Son, Joseph and Jesus, blessed the world. I think that's pretty uh, important and, and something that we need to, to look to. And then there have been some more recent ones. Um, some are alleged, some are under investigation, and we leave those decisions to the Church. Um, but it's extraordinary, because I think in these times of crisis, just like we've had Marian apparitions throughout the centuries in times of crises, uh, we really need to, to, I think, go to Joseph right now uh, to correct some of the, the false things that are happening in the world and in families and society. Um, I think that heaven is highlighting St. Joseph for a reason, mm-hmm. and I think that, uh, yeah, we need to pay attention to that. Fun one for one of the last ones to wrap up here. What would uh, you tell many stories uh, many miracle stories attributed to the intercession of St. Joseph. Is there one that stands out as your favorite, or maybe a couple that stand out as your favorite? Oh, there definitely is. I, I wouldn't have time to get into the details here, but uh, that, that maybe that's, that's for the next hour. You want to go on another hour here? <laughs> there, yeah. That's a trifecta. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, there's some in the book, so get the book, but uh, mm. some of the ones my favorite, just mention them in brief. The Holy House of Loretto, you know, how the, the home of the Holy Family was moved from 
from the Holy Land to, to Italy. It's an extraordinary story. The, the Santo Anello, the Holy Ring, the wedding ring that St. Joseph gave to Our Lady is still in existence today as well in a, in a cathedral in Perugia, Italy. Those kind of things fascinate me, and I think the, the, the listeners, you know, get the book, Consecration of St. Joseph, you'll discover those things in great detail in the book, and they're really inspiring, and it'll probably make you want to go on a pilgrimage to, to see these things yourself. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. And just, yeah, as a reminder, folks, uh, to get the book, you can go to consecrationtostjoseph.org, and it's just S-T, it's not uh, saint spelled out. And also there's some beautiful commissioned artwork up there as well that uh, we've been mentioning as a part of this conversation, and you can go there to purchase those items. So thank you, Father, so much for your time and for, for spending this time with me. Just for folks, time is up. Uh, don't worry if you've missed any part of this interview. It's going to be available on the Quest Atlanta app or online at thequestatlanta.com. That is, you spell out the thequestatlanta.com. Father Calloway, thank you so much for this conversation. I really have enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much for this book that you've created and this opportunity for us to consecrate ourselves to St. Joseph. And I just, I pray that this is, um, this truly is the beginning of something wonderful within the church where it will allow for fathers, again, just to, to restore fatherhood and to help these fathers lead their families to heaven. That's truly our mission as fathers. And you've, you've just created a wonderful resource for us, and I'm so grateful that you did create that resource. Thank you, Father. Well, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. God bless you. Keep up all the good work. And uh, I would give you a, a priestly blessing, and to all the listeners as well, through the intercession of St. Joseph, Please. may the Lord bless you, may he give you peace, and always have his gaze upon you. We ask this blessing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Calloway, thank you so much for joining us on AM 1160 The Quest today. Thank you everyone for listening to your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160 The Quest. God bless.